Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, November 8th, and on today's show, we are doing NBA DFS strategy talk. I'm going to go through, I'd say, five or six key points that if you're playing NBA DFS, you better be checking these boxes. I'm the type to get shit done. You're the type to observe. March Madness on my speakers, but today's November 23rd. Got something loud in the blunt, yeah. All right, everyone. Hello. Welcome in. Like I said, today is Wednesday, November 8th, and probably right off the bat, you're thinking... Wednesday normally means an NBA slate breakdown podcast for Mike, and that's not what we're getting today. And the reason for that, quickly, before we dive into some DFS strategy talk, is because I don't have any bets placed myself, and I really don't see any value through this slate. So I could get on a podcast and go through each game and tell you how I have no bets, no real leans, not really strong market indicators, but what would be the point of that? So let's switch it up a bit. You guys know, and if you don't know, you better know, I have a private every Wednesday DraftKings DFS contest going. It is $1 a week. You can choose to compete or sit out any given week. You're only paying the $1 on the weeks you choose to compete. And come build up a little community and play DFS against me. Then take your lineups once you've gained some skills into some other contests. But we're going to go through some strategy for what to do and how you can beat me at my own game. Actually, most of this strategy is going to be for cash contests. We'll, we'll differentiate the, between the two as we go through it. And when you play against me, we're doing like a little GPP tournament style where it's probably like 10 or 15 people playing for a dollar and maybe it's winner take all or top two win. We've been switching it up every week. So get in there. I will tweet out the private DraftKings link. I will put it in this episode so you can click the link in the show for the private DraftKings DFS leagues for all Fiddle Picks followers, the Advantage listeners, people who subscribe to the Fantasy Basketball International podcast feed, YouTube channel, or in their Discord. If you have checked any of those boxes, you are invited to this DFS league. There is about 15 or 20 of us right now. I'm trying to get it to grow so we get a solid 50 and maybe 25, 30 competing any given week. But come compete against us. Click that link in the description and use these five strategy tips to make sure you are taking us on and coming full strength. Okay. The first and most obvious one is be available at Slate Lock. The NBA is notorious these last few years, specifically since COVID, with the new rest era in the NBA, with the load management, the player empowerment, whatever you want to call it, the result for DFS players is a lot of players become late night scratches, a lot more questionables, a lot more fantasy players with IL plus slots being used and taken advantage for streaming purposes. So you are probably aware about how crazy the slate gets about an hour before lock. You need to be locked in at that time so that you could get the right pieces into your lineup before it's too late. If you get a random alert that Halliburton is resting on the second leg of a back-to-back and it comes an hour before the game, then you need to be pivoting and putting some other Pacers guys in your lineup. Specifically, that's a great team 
because they pump out stats and score like 125 points every single game. If you look at the 76ers' first home game this season, we had Joel Embiid expected to rest until about 30, 45 minutes before he was announced as he's going to play. So you absolutely, the number one thing for playing NBA DFS is you need to be available at slate lock. When the starting lineups are being announced and between the time these games are tipping off, you need to be available for news breaks and information. And you need to be able to pivot and understand what's going to happen. You need to know which one of your players are playing in the early games, which one of you guys are playing in the late games, who potentially, if an early game guy needs a replacement, you could switch him out for a late game player. So, actually, the slate will lock in the early game. So, if you have a late game player, then if he's scratched, you have other late game options. So, just be aware of your pivot points. That's really the main thing. Be available at slate lock. Be tuned into NBA Twitter, NBA starting lineups.com, ESPN's blurbs, Shams, Woj, those main guys who tweet all this stuff out. Follow the beat writers for the specific teams. Like, I know offhand, if I'm talking about the Phoenix Suns, I'm going to Dwayne Rankin's Twitter right away. I know if it's Clippers, I'm going to Om Young Masuk's Twitter right away. So, you want to have those things sorted? know who to look at, know which information to get. I mean, you could even follow some fantasy basketball feeds and they'll just tweet them all out for you. So get those in before slate lock and make the right adjustments in real time. Always be willing to take guys who are going to have starters minutes and play them. The next thing that we need to make sure is very, very, very important. It's not even about picking the right players. It is just general bankroll management and contest choice. This would be point number two is picking the right contest to enter and using your bankroll appropriately. If the majority of your bankroll is being used in DFS tournaments where you're trying to hit big, you are akin to the people that I scream at on this very podcast to stop submitting parlays and play straight bets. Get into cash contests. Get into 50-50s, get into head-to-heads, and get into hundos. H-U-N-D-O-S, hundos. I will go through why those three specifically right now. If you are in a cash contest, you are not shooting for the moon. You have a higher return rate. You've simply, if you're in a 50-50 or head-to-head, you simply double up hundos kind of split the difference between tournaments and cash games. They pay out the highest percentage of money collected. So if you're playing in one of these Millie Maker tournaments and submitting $15 for the entry fee, and yeah, you might win a million if you come in first place, the house is probably taking like a 15% cut of your money and everyone's money right off the bat. When you go into a hundo contest, it's closer to 5%. So inherently, you want to compete in the contest where the house is taking the the most the least cut. It's giving back to the betters, to the players, the most money. You have the highest returns in the games that if they collect 100, they pay out 95. That should be pretty self-explanatory. I like 50-50s the most. You can also do head-to-heads. 
but the main point is if you're playing like for $20, what I don't like doing is putting that $20 into one head-to-head contest or one 50-50 contest. What I would like to do is split that up into, I mean, in an ideal world, 20 different $1 contests or 10 different $2 contests. Because if you are happen to have a lineup that's trimming on the margins of cashable or not cashing, you are make or break, do or die if it is all in one spot. If you have it across 10 contests, you might cash in six of them and not cash in four of them. You might cash in three of them, not cash in seven of them, but you are reducing the variance than if you were just playing one do or die. So pick the right contest, stick to cash contests more than GPP tournaments, choose the ones that pay out to the players the highest percentage of total money entered, yeah, and split your contest fees just enter the same lineup, do the bulk enter feature into 15 contests each for $1. You will reduce your variance. The third point of strategy that I want to go over is understand stack ratios and correlations. Now, if you play DFS fantasy football, if you listen to my The Advantage Sports Betting podcast, you hear me talk about DFS football every single week. And when we talk about stack ratios and correlations, we're immediately like a running back and that team's defense, a quarterback and their wide receiver and a reverse stack of the opposing wide receiver. And then you could balloon these points together in NBA. It's not that sophisticated. It's kind of like you want to target games per se. You, you want to bulk into certain games for stack ratios playing into a Pacers Spurs game where the total is 240 total points and trending up and you're like I could either choose four players from there or take players in the heat versus the Knicks stack the game that's going to have tons of stats produced and then within that ideally you don't take the number one and two star on the same team ideally you're not taking Kevin Durant and Devin Booker together instead take the number one star on one team and the number two star on the opposing team. So if this is Nuggets versus Suns, you don't play Jokic and Jamal Murray. You don't play KD and Booker. What you do is you split the difference. I mean, it's probably not the best examples because Jokic and Booker is just a lethal combo. But um, let's use... The Lakers and they have a clear top two. And who else is a clear? And the, the Celtics. The Lakers are playing uh, the most classic rivalry in NBA history. The Lakers are playing the Celtics, and you have a choice between LeBron, AD, Tatum, and Brown. Take Tatum and AD. Take LeBron and, and, and Tatum. Choose one and one because your goal and your hope is that you choose the right one on each team that becomes the stats leader for their team. Now, it is possible that both LeBron and AD produce so many more stats and they both end up with more fantasy points than either of anyone on the opposing team. Of course, that's possible. That's generally not what happens. 
You generally have one star on each team do a ton of things, especially in high scoring games where if you can hit right, maybe one of them's the second most priced player, third most priced player, and you could do an opposing stack within the same game. I love that. So understand stack ratios and correlations. Opposing player is better than pairing a team's one and two. Pick your number one and choose the other team's number two. Now, let's talk about which stats to prioritize. So we talked about being available at Slate Lock. Talked about bankroll management, contest choice. Talked about understanding certain stack ratios and correlations. Let's talk about which stats to prioritize. Expected minutes is obviously number one. If you're getting starter run, like fuck up per 36 in DFS. It's the most useless stat. It, it works in a thing like season-long fantasy where you're expecting development and more usage as the season goes on. So if you could pick the right spots, if you get it off a of back-to-back where you're streaming, you play into a per 36. At what Those things don't really matter in the DFS world where you're going to get 23 minutes or the other dude's going to get 29. The only way I'm choosing the dude with 23 is if there's a staggeringly high usage rate and pace expected in that game. So expected minutes has to be number one. Even the dudes that just get their cardio have a safe floor. You talk about the guys like Dorian Finney-Smith. Like, he's just going to get his run. But on any given night, he can get you a ran. I'm like, his floor is probably going to be about 20. And on any random night, he could get you 35. So stick with guys that are going to get that burn and get that run and get expected minutes. And then go into usage and pace. So usage rate is a NBA catch-all analytics stat that tells you how often that player is involved in a scoring or assisting play on offense for their team. So I think Luca's is like 40% of the time, Luca either scores or assists for a Mavericks bucket. It's crazy. Harden's probably number two. Inherently, those are the guys who are putting up massive DFS points. A guy like Jokic, very high usage. So play into usage rate, especially when you're picking at the bottom of the barrel. If you're looking at a backup point guard who might get starters minutes and he's got a good usage rate and he's cheap, then that's a no-brainer, which brings me to one of my last points. I'm going to go six instead of five. Play into certain chalks in these cash contests. So this podcast has been pretty much a few quick tips for playing a cash contest. So if you're go if you if you are playing in these cash contests, these 50-50s, these hundos, these double-ups for two, three, four, five dollar entries, one thing you definitely want to do is don't try and get too cute. Don't try and get too sexy. Play into the chalk. Be available at Slate Lock so you know who that chalk is. These things come full circle. What does chalk mean in DFS world? Chalk is a general term to describe the people that everyone are using that night. So like a guy like Jordan Hawkins recently for NBA DFS with the amount of injuries that the uh, Pelicans have dealt with. And Hawkins has been getting big minutes and shooting a lot of shots. He's been a no-brainer in some of these lineups. 
Cam Thomas for the Nets. Finally on this slate, is at $7,000. The dude's been an absolute heater with crazy usage and starting, and he just hasn't been priced appropriately. So he's just been chalk every slate because his roster percentage has been so high. Chalk very much compares to roster percentage and ownership. If someone's going to be relatively cheap and they're going to have 80% ownership, just do it. That's really my advice. I mean, there's a few spots where if you have serious conviction the other way and and you really don't understand why people are playing this player, then you can go the opposite way. Then maybe you put that lineup in a tournament. But if you're playing in a cash contest and you know 84% of people are probably going to be on Jordan Hawkins at $3,900, expected to play 34 minutes because McCollum has a collapsed lung, Alvarado's hurt, Trey Murphy's out for three weeks. Dyson Daniels still a rook. Like they need some shooting and he's not a shooter. And Jordan Hawkins is playing 32 minutes and he's going to take nine three pointers and he's 3,900 or 4,200. You absolutely play into that chalk. Just let other people get cute and hope it doesn't work out only for it to probably work out and be fine. And you've eliminated if he's played by 84%. You could just say 16% of you have gone by the wayside for not taking a cheap option that's just easy because you only need to be in the top 50-50. So getting cute and trying to beat 16% of the field doesn't do you any good when that's not the comp. You don't need to be top 15%. You need to be top 50. So hang with the boys in the 80s. Let other people get cute around you and just stick to the script play some chalk, play who like, you know, everyone else is playing in these ownership projections, stack together a pretty standard lineup, and you could actually really build a bankroll by just choosing the basic guys and choosing the right contest. It's really actually not, it's pretty simple advice. Um, If you are playing against me in the private tournament where there's 16 teams, it's all, it's for $1.00. And one person's taking home the 16, 16 bucks, then you need to get cute. Then you're making the choice of like, is this a Donovan Mitchell night? Is this randomly a Brogdon night? Like, you have to get really weird and choose like some random player to do that. My last point this is so true for NBA DFS and so never talked about for NFL DFS. And I wish in the NBA world we would just join the NFL world and stop talking about these things because it doesn't matter at all. Don't concern yourself with expected blowouts. It is never a good reason to not take a player because he's going against the Wizards and you're like, oh, they're going to blow the Wizards out. He's not going to play in the fourth quarter. If we get to that point, he's probably got 30 and 10 and 6. He's probably got a heater on his on his number. Do, do not concern yourself with blowouts. These stats are pretty consistent across the NBA, and you could just catch yourself in a hole, avoiding an obvious choice because you're scared of a blowout. I hear that so often, and it's such a public schmuck sentiment that I want to hammer it home, make it the final point, and say, don't concern yourself 
with anticipated blowouts. There are still tons of stats to accumulate in those games. So, quick 20-minute pod, NBA DFS strategy show. We talked about being available at Slate Lock. We talked about bankroll management contest choice. We talked about understanding stack ratios and correlations. We talked about which stats to prioritize, expected minutes, usage rate, and pace. We talked about playing into chalk in certain spots, especially in cash contests, and what chalk is. It means those 80% usage guys, those 75%, that's 66% usage guy. And then don't concern yourselves with anticipated blowouts. Now, what you really should do after taking in all this beautiful information is I will remind you guys just one more time, go sign up for the NBA Private DraftKings League. Let's create a little community of people who play against each other. Whether you are a Fiddles Picks follower on YouTube, whether you subscribe to my Substack, whether you listen to on the Fantasy Basketball International YouTube or podcast channel or in their Discord, get in the DFS League. I don't want to tell you twice. I'm out of here. Thank you for your time today and peace out. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.